Wired Love by Ella Cheeva Thayer Chapter 1. Sounds from a Distant Sea Beep, 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 Just a noise, that is all. But a very significant noise to Miss Natalie Rogers, or Natty as she was usually abbreviated. A noise that caused her to lay aside her book and jump up hastily, exclaiming with a gesture of impatience, Somebody always calls me in the middle of every entertaining chapter. That noise, that little clatter, like and yet too irregular to be the ticking of a clock, expressed to Natty these four mystic letters, B-M-X-N, which same four mystic letters interpreted meant that the name, or to use the technical word, call, of the telegraph office over which she was present sole presiding, genius was B-M and that B.M. was wanted by another office on the wire, designated as X.N. A little out-of-the-way country office, some fifty miles down the line, was X.N., and as Natty signalled in reply to the call, her readiness to receive any communications therefrom, she was conscious of holding in some slight contempt the possible abilities of the human portion of its machinery. For who but an operator, very green in the profession, would stay there? Consequently, she was quite unprepared for the velocity with which the telegraph alphabet of sounds and dots and dashes rattled over the instrument, appropriately termed a sounder, upon which messages are received, and found herself wholly unable to write down the words as fast as they came. Dear me, she thought rather nervously, the country is certainly ahead of the city this time. I wonder if this smart operator is a lady or gentleman. And notwithstanding all her efforts, she was compelled to break, that is, open her key, thereby breaking the circuit and interrupting XN with a request. Please repeat. XN took the interruption very good-naturedly. It was after dinner, and obeyed without expressing any impatience. But alas, Natty was even now unable to keep up with this too expert individual of uncertain sex and was obliged again to break with a humiliating position. Please send slower. Oh responded XN. For a small one, O is a very expressive word, but whether this particular one signified impatience, or, as Natty sensitively feared, contempt for her abilities, she could not tell. But certain it was that XN sent along the letters now, in such a slow, funereal procession, that she was driven half-frantic with nervousness in the attempt to piece them together into words. They had not proceeded far, however, before a small, thin voice fell upon the ears of the agitated Natty. Are you taking the message now? it asked. Natty glanced over her shoulder and saw a sharp, inquisitive nose, a green veil, a pair of eyeglasses, and a strained smile sticking through her little window. Nodding a hasty answer to the question, she wrote down another word of the message that she had been able to catch, notwithstanding the interruption. As she did so, the voice again queried, Do you take them entirely by sound? With a determined endeavour not to break, Natty replied only with a frown. But fate was evidently against her establishing reputation for being a good operator with X.N. Here, please turn to this, quick, exclaimed a new voice, and a tall gentleman pounded impatiently on the shelf outside the little window with one hand, and with the other held forth a message. With despair in her heart, once more Natty interrupted X.N., took the impatient gentleman's message, studied out its illegible characters, and changed a bill, the owner of the nose looking on attentively 
Meanwhile this done, she bade the really much abused XN to proceed, or in telegraphic terms, to GA, the GA being the telegraphic abbreviation for go ahead, and the, the last word she had received of the message. And this time, not even the fact of its being after dinner restrained XN's feelings, and XN made the sarcastic inquiry, Had you better not go home and send down someone who is capable of receiving this message? Now it would seem as if two persons, sixty or seventy miles apart, might severely fly into a rage and nurse their wrath comfortably without particularly annoying each other at the moment, but not under present conditions, and Natty turned red and bit her nails excitedly under the displeasure of the distant person of unknown sex at XN, but no instrument had yet been invented by which she could see the expression on the face of this operator at XN as she retorted, and her fingers formed the letters very sharply. Do you think it will help the matter at all for you to make a display of your charming disposition? G.A., the... I'm happy to be able to return the compliment implied, was XN's preface to the continuation of the message. And now, indeed, Natty might have recovered some of her fallen glories, being angry enough to be fiercely determined, had not the owner of the nose again made her presence manifest by the sudden question, Do you have a different sound for every word or syllable or what? and turning quickly round to scowl this persevering questioner into silence, Natty's elbow hit and knocked over the inkstand, its contents pouring over her hands, dress, the desk and floor, and proving beyond a doubt, as it descended, the truth of its label. Superior black ink! And then, save for the clatter of the sounder, there was silence. For a moment, Natty gazed blankly at her besmeared hands and ruined dress, at the sounder, and at the owner of the nose, who returned her look with that expression of serene amusement, often noticeable in those who contemplate from afar the mishaps of their fellow beings. Then, with the courage of despair, she for the fourth time broke XN, saying with inky impression on the instrument, Excuse me, but you'll have to wait. I'm all ink, and I'm being cross-examined. Having thus delivered herself, she turned a deliberately deaf ear to XN's response, which, judging from the way the movable portion of the sounder danced, was emphatic. A little new milk will take that out, complacently said the owner of the nose, watching Natty's efforts to remove the ink from her dress with blotting paper. Unfortunately, I do not keep a cow here, Natty replied tartly. Not quite polite in Natty, this, but do not the circumstances plead strongly in her excuse, for remember, she was not one of those impossible, angelic young ladies of whom we read but one of the ordinary human beings we meet every day. The owner of the nose, however, was not charitable, and drew herself up loftily, as she said in imperative accents, You did not answer my question. Do you have to learn the sound of each letter so as to distinguish them from each other? Natty constrained herself to reply very shortly, Yes. Can you take a message and talk to me at the same time? pursued the investigator. No, was Natty's emphatic answer, as she looked ruefully at her dress. But your instrument there is going it now. Ain't they sending you a message? went on the relentless owner of the nose. At this, Natty turned her attention a moment to what was being done on the wire, and breathed a sigh of relief, for XN had given place to another office, and she replied, No, some office on the wire is sending some other office. The nose elevated itself to surprise. Can you hear everything that is sent from every other office? Yes, was the weary reply, as Natty rubbed her dress. What? exclaimed the owner of the nose, in accents of incredulous wonder. All over the world? 
Certainly not. Only the officers on this wire. There are about twenty, was the impatient reply. Ah, evidently relieved. But, considering, supposing you do not catch all the sounds, what do you do then? Break. Break? Break what? The instruments? queried the owner of the nose, perplexedly, and looking as if that must be a very expensive habit. Break the circuit, the connection. Open the key and ask the sending officer to repeat from the last word I've been able to catch. Then, seeing unmistakable evidence of more questions in the nose, Natty threw the ink-soaked blotting paper and her last remnant of patience into the waste-basket and asked, But you must excuse me, I am too busy to be not interrupted longer, and there are books that will give you all the information that you require. So saying, Natty turned her back, and the owner of the nose withdrew it, its tip glistening with indignation as she walked away. As it vanished, Natty gave a sigh of relief and sat down to mourn her ruined dress. Whatever may have been her previous opinion, she was positive now that this was the prettiest, the most becoming dress she had ever possessed, or might ever possess. Only the old, old story. We prize most what is gone forever. And all that dreadful man's or woman's fault at XN, cried Natty, savagely. Unjustly, too, for if anyone was responsible for the accident, it was the owner of the nose. But not long did Natty dare give way to her misery. That fatal message was not yet received. Glancing over the few words she had of it, she read, Send the hearse. And then she began anxiously, Calling XN. Hearse looked too serious for trifling. But either XN's attention was now occupied in some other direction, or else he or she was too much out of humour to reply, for it was full twenty minutes before came the answering, XN at which Natty said as fiercely as fingers could, I've been after you nearly half an hour. Have you? came coolly back from XN. Well, you're not alone. Many are after me. My landlord, among others, not to mention a washerwoman or two. Then followed the figure four, which means, when shall I go ahead? Waxing jocuse, are you? Natty murmured to herself as she replied. G.A. Hearse. G.A. what? Hearse, repeated Natty in firm, clear characters. To her surprise and displeasure, XN laughed, the circumstance being conveyed to her understanding in the usual way by the two letters H-A. What are you laughing at? she asked. At your grave mistake, was XN's answer, accompanied by another ha. To convert a horse into a hearse is really an idea that merits a smile. As the consciousness of her blunder dawned upon her, Natty would gladly have sank into oblivion. But as that was impossible, she took a fresh blank and very meekly said, G.A. Horse. With another laugh, XN complied, and Natty now succeeded in receiving the message without further mishap. What did you sign? she asked as she thankfully wrote the last word. Every operator is obliged to sign his own private call, as well as the office call and OK at the close of each message. C was applied to Natty's question. O.K.N.B.M. She then said, and added, perhaps trying to drown the memory of her ludicrous error and politeness, I hope another time I shall not cause you so much trouble. C at XN was evidently not to be exceeded in little speeches of this kind, for he or she responded immediately. On the contrary, it was I who gave you trouble. I know I must certainly have done so, or you never could have effected such a transformation as you did. Imagine the feelings of the sender of that message had he found a hearse awaiting his arrival instead of a horse biting her lip with secret mortification, but determined to make the best of the matter outwardly, 
Natty replied, I suppose I never shall hear the last of that hearse, but at all events it took the surliness out of you. Yes, when people come to a hearse, they are not apt to have any more kinks in their disposition. I confess, though, C went on frankly, I was unpardonably cross. Not surly, that is, out of my line, but cross. In truth, I was all out of sorts. Will you forgive me if I will never do so again? Certainly, Natty replied readily. I am sure we are far enough apart to get on without quarrelling, if, as they say, distance lends enchantment. Particularly when I pride myself upon my sweet disposition, said C. At which Natty smiled to herself to the surprise of a passing gentleman on whom her unconscious gaze rested, and who thought, of course, that she was smiling at him. Appearances are deceitful. I fear you will have to prove your sweetness before I shall believe in it, Natty responded to C, all unaware of what she had done or that the strange young gentleman went on his way with a firm resolve to pass by that office again and obtain another smile. It shall be my sole aim hereafter, C replied, and then asked, Have you a pleasant office there? I regret to say no. Then looking around and describing what she saw, A long, dark little room, into which the sun never shines, a crazy and a wooden chair, a high stool, desk, instruments, that is all. Oh, and me. Last but not least, said C. But what a contrast to my office. Mine is all windows, and in cold days like this, the wind whistles in until my very bones rattle. The outward view is fine. As I sit, I see a stable, a carpenter's shop, the roof of the new town hall that has ruined the town, and— Excuse me! Someone at another office on the line here broke in, and with more politeness than is sometimes shown in interrupting conversations on the wire. I have a message to send. And forthwith began calling. At this Natty resumed her interrupted occupation of bewailing her spoiled dress, but at the same time she had a feeling of pleased surprise at the affability of C at XN. I wonder, she thought, as she took up her book again, and tried to bury the remembrance of her accident therein, I do wonder if this C is he or she. Soon, however, she heard XN call once more, and this time she laid her book aside very readily. You did not describe the principal part of your office, yourself. C said, when she answered the call. How can I describe myself? replied Natty. How can anyone, properly? One sees that same old face in the glass day after day, and becomes so used to it, that it is almost impossible to notice even the changes in it. So I am sure I do not see how one can tell how it really does look, unless one's nose is broken, or one's eye is crossed, and mine are not, or one should not see a looking-glass for a year. I can only say I am very inky just now. Oh, that is too bad. He said then with a laugh, It has always been a source of great wonder to me, how certain very plain people of my acquaintance could possibly think themselves handsome, but I see it all now. Can you not, however, leave the beauty out and give me some sort of an idea about yourself for my imagination to work upon? Certainly, replied Natty with a mischievous twinkle in her eye that C knew not of. Imagine, if you please, a tall young man with C broke quickly, saying, Oh no, you cannot deceive me in that way and a protest I accept the height, but spurn the sex. Why, you do not suppose I am a lady, do you? queried Natty. I am quite positive you are. There is a certain difference in the sending of a lady and gentleman that I have learned to distinguish. Can you truly say I am wrong? Natty evaded a direct reply by saying, People who think they know so much are often deceived. Now I make no surmises upon you, but ask fairly and squarely, shall I call you Mr. Miss or Mrs. C? Call me neither. Call me plain C, or picture, if you like, in place of your sounder, a blonde fairy-like girl talking to you with pensive cheeks and sunny, Don't you believe a word of it, 
Someone on the wire here broke in, wishing probably to have a finger in the pie. Picture a hippopotamus, an elephant, but picture no fairy. Judge not others by yourself and learn to speak when spoken to, C replied to the unknown. Then, ten, you know the more mystery there is about anything, the more interesting it becomes. Therefore, if I envelop myself in all the mystery possible, I will cherish hopes that you may dream of me. But I am quite sure you can, with propriety, be called Mr. C. Plain as you say, I do not, replied Natty. Now, as it is time for me to go home, I shall have to say good-night. To be continued in our next, queried C. If you are not in a cross mood, replied Natty. Now, that is a very unkind suggestion, after my abject apology. But although our acquaintance had a grave rehearsal, I trust it will have a happy ending. Natty frowned. If you will promise never to say grave, hearse, or anything in the undertaking line, I will agree never to say cross, she said. The undertaking will not be difficult, with all my heart, she answered. And with this mutual understanding they bade each other good night. There certainly is something romantic in talking to a mysterious person, unseen and miles away, thought Natty, as she put on her hat. But I would really like to know whether my new friend employs a tailor or a dressmaker. Was Natty conscious of a feeling that it would add to the zest of the romantic acquaintance, should the distant sea be entitled to the use of the masculine pronoun? Perhaps so, for Natty was human, and was only nineteen.